Okay, it's Reels Week. One of those weeks that you've either been really looking forward to or absolutely dreading and are terrified of. Which one of the two it could be? I don't know, but let's try and enjoy this week as much as we can. Now, before I get into, you know, more sort of thoughts on Reels on the podcast, I did want to take a bit of a trip down maybe it's memory lane or maybe you actually haven't heard this stuff before to just look a little bit about the history of facebook and how kind of facebook came to be and instagram came to be in this specific scenario that it is in now because i think it's quite important to kind of look at you know the evolution of social media platforms the business side of social media platforms and how we kind of got to where we've got to because i think it adds important context into what we see as the kind of future of these social platforms, what they might look like, why you might want to invest in reels, what reels even mean, and so on and so forth. So we're going to take a trip all the way back to the first formative years of Facebook. Now, when Zuckerberg was first creating Facebook, of course, the big thing that really kind of shot Facebook into the upper echelons was the friend button. Okay, you would add a friend on Facebook and then at that point you would sort of see all the things that that person was posting and sharing on Facebook. Now, it's at that point that Facebook in its early days was really created as this sort of, you know, way to connect and way to build relationships. Yes, of course, but also this kind of voyeuristic kind of platform, right? You know, people, you can look to see what people are up to. That you wouldn't normally see you can kind of keep track of people and what they're doing and people can share what they're doing out into the rest of the world and you know people actually love that opportunity it was a great way to kind of stay connected and see what were pe- people were up to so they would share stuff into their posts and their feed and what would happen as this thing grew out was that of course all of the topics that kind of bring the world together you know the ones that we all kind of share an opinion on and the ones that are very sort of low level and relatively routine would float to the top right so the kind of stuff that you would see in your posts and your feed would be things like you know pictures of dinners and pizzas and dining out you know and the weather and trips walking and all of this stuff that just kind of are done by people in general, that kind of stuff would kind of float to the top. And that's the kind of thing that you would see in your feed. So there was this point then when, in the early days of Facebook, when you'd be looking at your feed and seeing pretty much the same kind of stuff, you know, cat, dog food, cat, dog food, cat, hill, mountain, hill food, dog, restaurant food, dog. You know, it was kind of this sort of endless stream of, content that was all kind of very samey so initially it started off as being really interesting and people loved to see what all of their friends were up to but what happened was people started going off of that and of course started to then start say well you know what there's a lot of stuff here that i'm not that interested in and people started to kind of go off their feed a little bit and their feed got very samey so facebook started asking the question well how do we start then you know, sprucing up this thing and getting more people to come in, right? It's at that point when you saw things like, firstly, the relationship status button going on, which again was another big evolution for Facebook because now it was kind of like, oh, hey, you know, I can spy on people and see what their love like is like. And it kind of like ramps up the voyeurism and the sort of the uh, 
the passive feed part of it even more and the gossip part of it even more, right? People's relationship with status would change and people would go, oh, that's really interesting, you know? And what they also started doing is they started looking at the feeds. Now, previously, the feed was just anything that any one of your friends had posted chronologically. So if you followed 100 people, it'll be your 100 people's worth of posts chronologically fed to you in the feed. What, of course, that happened was the feed became very, very busy and, again, very boring. So Facebook then needed to come up with this decision. Well, what do we do? Because people aren't don't unfriend people. They don't want to remove friends. So people are following more and more people, and now the feed is just getting too random and too much. So that's when Facebook started introducing this concept of the algorithm and starting to say, well, we need something that's going to curate the posts within your feed to give you the stuff that you actually really like. And we're not going to show you all of your friends' stuff. You're not going to see 200 friends' worth of stuff. You're only going to see probably like, you know, 10 to 20 people's worth of stuff. So the algorithm would then be used to kind of curate this stuff to try and make your feed more relevant and more interesting. And not only did they move from a chronological feed with the algorithm, they then eventually moved into an algorithmic feed, but also a non-chronological feed. And actually, that's true for Instagram now. You know, people talk about the best time to post. And yes, of course, there are good times to post when your people are around. Now, strictly speaking, Instagram's feed is actually non-chronological as well. You know, we talk about the best time to post on Instagram, and that's right. You know, you should post, obviously, when your people are around. But strictly speaking, Instagram is a non-chronological feed. So you can, you know, post at different times, and your post will get shown to other people. Now, of course, you have then the question of, well, look, here's the algorithm curating your stuff. So how does the algorithm know whose stuff to curate? Well, the algorithm then says, okay, well, what we're going to do is we're going to use these key measures to understand who it is that you want to see more of, likes, and comments and shares at that particular point. Saves didn't exist at this particular point. Likes and comments and shares. Okay, great. So we're going to now curate your feed on Facebook. Push the stuff and post to you over there and curate your feed a little bit. And that was great. But the problem was, again, you know, the repetition of the marginal stuff that people will share within their lives was also fairly prevalent. And Facebook was looking for, you know, some kind of new edge to kind of help them grow out of that. And what also started to happen is, you know, the marketers started to swarm around Facebook and say, well, hey, you know, I can start using Facebook. So people started growing up these big, big friendship followings, you know, and they would post a whole load of marketing-related content. And that really didn't, wasn't the purpose of what Facebook had intended from a relationship and a friend connection piece. So Facebook started to see, you know, this increased interest from marketers. And at the same time, Facebook was also uh, just coming out of IPO. So Facebook wanted to be able to start making some serious money. And so what they said was, well, hey, you know, rather than having the marketers grow a million friends, which doesn't make any sense, we're going to give them a new place to hang out. We're going to call it Facebook Pages. And Facebook Pages were like a friend profile just for businesses. And if you're a marketer and you want to post all about your business, you're going to put it on your Facebook page. Great. So the marketers start hitting these Facebook Pages. And, of course, what they discover is 
Now I have this really amazing opportunity to start connecting and building relationships with new people. And they would post on those Facebook pages and they'd get loads of organic reach because they were a new thing and Facebook always wants to you know, promote new things with more rewarding engagement and reach. So they would post onto these Facebook pages and start building out these big Facebook page followings. Tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of likes on your Facebook page and then promoting your wares on Facebook. So what the marketers saw there was, you know, this new opportunity now to also use social not just as a sort of, you know, awareness tool, but also as a funnel, as something that you could actually take, you know, a, a follower from and then drive them towards your products and services, your webinars, your ebooks, you know, grab their email address and start working this into a funnel. So they started seeing social media as, you know, this source of organic traffic for the first time, which kind of then brought about the rise of, you know, lead magnets and free webinars and all of these business-related funnels that you, that you now call them as a way to kind of convert your followers on social. So they started hitting the pages a lot. And Facebook pages really, really blew up and they were being rewarded. And there was also a lot of data behind Facebook pages that you could use. And as we know, that shook out to be way too much data. And, and that's what kind of happened in the Cambridge scandals is, you know, Facebook giving away too much of your data. So they could grow their Facebook page, target people really, really directly, you know, almost like know everything about that person with targeting. And then they could do interesting things like you could literally run ads on someone else's Facebook pages followers. Right. So you could do all this crazy retargeting and this crazy stuff far more than you should have been able to do. Um, so Facebook pages totally blew up. So what happened was then the feed for an end user became this kind of combination of your friends who were just sharing kind of the same stuff all the time and the Facebook pages that you'd like that were just promoting themselves. So this sense of, you know, building real connections really started to get lost on Facebook. And Facebook started thinking to themselves, well, hey, you know, we need something different. Now, behind the scenes, this brand new startup called Instagram was really starting to gain traction. Instagram started off as a photo sharing platform. People would go out, take a picture, you know, and talk about the picture in their caption. The pictures would be, you know, again, family and friends and food and stuff. But it was more visual based, you know, it was more attractive to look at. It wasn't just, you know, it wasn't a whole load of vitriol and debate. Everything needed to be founded in a picture. You know, and the pictures, of course, then spoke a thousand words and the pictures would tell stories. Whereas in Facebook, you could just like drop a random post about a conversation you wanted to have. Over an Instagram, you had to pair that with a photo. And because it was a photo sharing app, you know, there was a demand on the creator to be a little bit more mindful and thoughtful about those photos. And you could only share one photo at a time. So sometimes on Facebook where you dump an album, be like a hundred pictures that no one's gonna go through. You know, on Instagram is one photo. So there was this sense of, you know, much more meaningful, more curated, more interesting stories. And Instagram, you know, were growing out a really strong community of that. Now what tends to happen is as soon as marketers swoop in to social media platforms, the whole platform changes. And what happens is the spirit of the community and the creators within that is often seriously eroded, right? So Facebook look at 
in this new startup Instagram, and they're like, that looks really good. We're going to offer you like a cool billion dollars for Instagram, which is a massive undervaluation at the time. They're worth that. I mean, that was one of the cheapest acquisitions in ever in history compared to the value of it now. You know, so they pick up, they swoop up this new Instagram and they put two of the original Instagram founders on the board for Facebook. And, you know, they want to kind of bring in and introduce these new platforms. They Instagram was getting a whole lot of traction, getting millions and millions and millions of people on it. They're like, great, we're going to pull that in. We're going to bring that into our social media landscape. And, of course, they had the money to do that because of all this monetization that they've been doing through Facebook pages. So now they bring on Instagram. And, of course, their first question for Instagram is, okay, great, you know, but still we need to monetize Instagram. So their first point of call this being Facebook, was now we've got this new Instagram platform, how are we going to monetize it? So, of course, the most immediate answer to that is, well, we're just going to run ads and you'd be able to drop your posts in and then boost your posts. But what we're also going to do is we're going to ramp up the organic reach on Instagram. We're going to help people really grow more. And that changed, the to again, the total landscape and community of Instagram because formerly it was, you know, people sharing photos and a community of people you know, that are kind of connected and photo sharers. Now, this is opportunity to run ads. This is opportunity to boost posts. There's opportunity to do the things that people that were using Facebook pages were doing over on Instagram. So, of course, the marketers then all jumped on Instagram and said, hey, new thing, more organic reach, you know, more opportunities to advertise. Great, great opportunity. And the community is, you know, somewhat richer than you know, than on Facebook. And, of course, it's photo-based, so it's kind of a different content format. So the marketers kind of swooped in. So again, what happened was the community of Instagram kind of started to shift again away from its original intended community into, you know, one which was more self-promotional and more marketer and content creation heavy. And hence the new kind of rise of the influencer, right? Now I can boost my posts. I can gain more followers. If I gain more followers, I gain more social authority. If I gain more social authority, I'm considered to be more influential, in inverted commas. This kind of rise of this connection between the number of followers you have and the amount of influence you have became a, a real thing, a big thing. So now you're starting to shift how Instagram looked. And the founders of Instagram, now sitting on the Facebook board, actually took a lot of offense to a lot of that and quite significantly pushed back against a lot of the changes that were being made. One of the founders left after a couple of years, unable to deal with you know the new direction that Instagram was going in and the politics of it all. The other one stayed for a little bit longer, but ultimately was kind of bought out slash pushed out. Um, and, you know, you don't have that representation by the original founders anymore. But, you know, there was this, of course, this shift now in terms of, you know, now this network needs to become monetized. And that's what kind of Facebook does now. And, you know, that's why they've got, you know, one of the highest valuations of any company on the planet. And that's why Facebook are still here. And that's why they're still growing. Is, you know, what they do is they find new potential social media platforms that offer them a new kind of format and then they kind of swoop in and buy those platforms. And they did exactly the same with Snapchat. Now, one day, Mark Zuckerberg stands up in, you know, the Palo Alto office with all of his staff, 
and across the whole building in this sort of uh, round table. And he says to them, he says, don't be afraid to copy. Don't be afraid to copy. Of course, what he means by that is if there is someone out there doing something which is gaining traction and people really enjoy it, then, you know, recreate it or buy it out, right? You've got the money, got the, you've got the scale, buy it out, okay? They, we did it for Instagram. We're, welcome to, we're open to doing it for other things. So, you know, Snapchat comes along. Snapchat introduces this concept of stories, what you now know as stories, right? Ephemeral content, content that expires within 24 hours. Ephemeral content. And, and Snapchat was this kind of private network. You know, you had to have someone's Snapchat code in order to be able to find them. Everything that they posted disappeared. It was all about, you know, tuning in and that, again, that voyeurism, you know, that kind of content disappears. I need to kind of log into Snapchat and use Snapchat. And the Snapchat audience was super heavily in the kind of teenage range, which was an audience range that Facebook didn't have as much penetration on in Facebook and Instagram. Instagram was more of a mature audience, you know, taking more time to take more fancy photos, right? Facebook itself had a big surge in the teenage area, but it wasn't really fast-paced enough and, you know, video-based and different enough. You know, teenagers would be using new tech kind of thing. And, and Facebook as a kind of a core platform hasn't really kind of kept up with new tech kind of formats, right? So, you know, new tech being they want to be on video more, they want to share more, they want to do more kind of thing. So, you know, Snapchat started gaining some massive grounds and making massive, massive dents in the industry. And Facebook walked up to Snapchat and said, hey, guys, we would love to buy you. And the Snapchat guy said, no, no, we're not going to buy you. So, you know, which ultimately ended in Instagram, in Facebook and Instagram eventually saying, well, okay, well, look, instead what we're going to do is we're just going to recreate exactly what you've done. Because you can't really pattern, you know, making a video that expires last 24 hours. It's not really, that's not a patternable thing. Ephemeral content, or this concept of ephemeral content, is not something you can pattern per se. So Instagram says, well, look, you know, Mark says to everybody, you know, don't be afraid to copy. So what do they do? They make stories. Exactly the same as, as Snapchat. Exactly the same, literally. Exactly the same. They make stories and then people start posting on stories. And now they add that into the Instagram platform. Why? Because the Instagram platform is the one that's really starting to take off at this point. Facebook pages are starting to die. People are starting to move away from Facebook pages. Facebook actually started stripping out all the organic reach from Facebook pages deliberately to get more people on Instagram. They wanted people to transfer their audience from Facebook pages onto Instagram because there's more monetization in there. And what they made Facebook pages do instead was they made Facebook pages this kind of pay-to-play environment where, you know, because there's almost no organic reach on a Facebook page, if you're not boosting your post on a Facebook page, nobody's going to see it. Absolutely no one. That doesn't mean that it's not, not worth doing, but Facebook pages are not an organic growth platform at all anymore. You know, so they kind of they kind of strip the organic reach out of Facebook pages to push people over to Instagram, added in stories on Instagram, and now we have this, you know, additional aspect to Instagram, this ephemeral content, this constantly sharp content. So what you see from Facebook and Instagram is this constant, you know, whether you call it adaptation or whether you call it sort of, you know, 
just merging of concepts from other social media platforms and bringing them into its overall platform. And Instagram really is now becoming the cornerstone to Facebook's approach to strategy. Facebook itself, at the same time, had a whole load of bad things happen to it. You know, you had the Cambridge scandal. Then you had Zuckerberg in court. Then you had data breaches constantly. Then you had, you know, other API-related scandals and other data-related scandals. And Facebook's getting absolutely smashed in the courtrooms and in the press. And, you know, it's absolutely being taken down completely. So more and more people are creating this sort of mass exodus from Facebook. You know, the feed's boring. It's not dynamic anymore. It's just the same stuff over and over. Turns out I don't want to stay connected to that many friends after all, or at least I'm kind of got, I'm kind of bored with their lives and I'm bored with that. So now I want something, you know, more dynamic and more interesting and, you know, bringing in more different formats. And Facebook just wasn't really designed to do that. Like the, the app just wasn't really designed to be able to kind of, you know, bring in all of these different video types and approaches. So instead, you know, now people are starting to, to fled off Facebook. So what Facebook have to do with the Facebook platform is they have to say, well, okay, now we're going to really, really commit to privacy. So you would have seen Mark Zucker in the court recently saying, you know, now Facebook is all about privacy now because they've had to because of the backlash. So now... What the landscape looks like is, number one, you've got Facebook here. That's where Facebook groups are being pushed, right? Facebook is very much leaning on groups now. Mark Zuckerberg has said this himself in a lot of his CEO addresses. Groups are the big thing. More private groups, more privacy, more control, you know, less data sharing, etc. right? Groups are the future of Facebook. Your standard feed of, you know, sharing what you're up to each day I don't know. I mean, it will be there, but but it's really going by the wayside now. Facebook groups are where Facebook is doubling down. But even then, Facebook groups are starting to, you know, really lose traction and lose engagement significantly. And I think, again, you know, it's part, it's because of things like Instagram, which is far more immersive. So on the Facebook side, it's all about Facebook groups. On the Instagram side... Once they started bringing in stories, you know, then what you saw again, the marketers started going, hey, you know, new format, let's hit stories, let's do more on stories, let's get on video, let's do more video now, right? And then you had, you know, other disruptors in the industry, people like, you know, Gary V, who then started doing more documenting content. It's like, oh, hey, you know, more live clips, more interviews, more you know, conversations, more video from podcasts, more documenting kind of footage. You know, Instagram took this really massive leap from, you know, initially when it was a photo sharing app to then Facebook buying it and people moving into kind of like inspirational quotes and motivation stuff because that got a lot into the kind of the hustle days where it was kind of like do, do, do. And then into the documenting days, which was like, you know, video clips from conversations and everything, into where we are now. And where we are now, I think we're really at this kind of, you know, tangential point where the documenting content, the kind of stuff that kind of Gary Vee posts, is starting to get a bit, I don't know, I think it's starting to get a bit old. It's been going for quite a while. Everyone's kind of been posting it for a while. 
you're starting to get a bit old and stale. And again, what Instagram saw was a drop in engagement rates on the content. So now they're bringing in reels. And again, they were like, you know, they wanted to they wanted to buy out TikTok. They couldn't buy out TikTok, even though they wanted to. They wanted to buy out TikTok. TikTok wouldn't sell. So they were like, well, okay, we'll just copy them. You've already got this stories app inside Instagram, which is basically the same thing. So we're just going to copy TikTok now. TikTok's making massive ground, particularly for teenagers. TikTok is massive. Teenagers like these kind of ridiculously short videos, shorthand videos. We're going to push this thing out into Instagram as well. We're just going to copy TikTok and push it out into Instagram. But I think the problem that you're seeing here is Instagram already had loads of marketers and influencers in it, right? So what you're seeing now in terms of Reels content is almost all the Reels content that you see is just promotion, 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 you know, clients, 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 product, product, product kind of stuff. You know, it's just kind of endless, right? It's not particularly dynamic. And I think the reason for that is you do see a much more mature audience on Instagram than on TikTok. When I say mature, you know, from an age standpoint, but also from a kind of less craziness standpoint. You know, you go on TikTok, like anything goes. I mean, it's, you know, the, the content on TikTok is almost totally random as far as I can see, you know. Whereas on Instagram, it is more specific, but it's also a lot more you know, designed for the end user kind of thing. It's like, you know, five ways to do this, 10 ways to do that, how to do this, how I feel about that. You know, it's very kind of, you know, sales orientated, very sales orientated, you know. It's not really there for sort of, you know, just kind of public consumption and entertainment purposes. TikTok, you know, is has much more of an entertainment-based short video approach. You know, of course, you follow the right people. You see more prank videos. You see more funny videos. And you see more kind of like, you know, water bottle challenges. And you kind of see more entertainment stuff. You don't see that anywhere near as much, I think, on Instagram. What you're kind of seeing on Instagram is, you know, these kind of influencers that are already in this space. You know, they're a lot more deliberate and a lot more mature about the kind of content that they're sharing. Now, is that a good or a bad thing? There is no right answer to that, you know my personal view is it feels very samey it feels very samey but you know again we are still in these formative years even for social media there's a lot of really good research around you know what does the world look like you know from a social media standpoint social media is not a natural way to communicate it's not kind of ingrained you know it's some it's it's a private commercial construct right it's a piece of software facebook tiktok instagram snapchat they're all pieces of software that have been created that have created a desire need obligation they did it wasn't just there they created it you this sense of like oh i need to be on social no you don't i mean that's that's an artificial construct right social is just a a private commercially owned platform this sense of this is a normal way to communicate and interact is driven by it it's not driven by anything else right if you see this as something you know a thing that you should get into great and if you don't then you don't have to but it's not it's not an obligation all the stuff that you're seeing are private companies you know, positioning their product as something that you should use 
And of course, we feel the FOMO if we don't because we're like, well, hey, we're not being social or whatever. We're not catching up with our friends. It's like, well, you don't need to be posting on Instagram to keep up with your friends. You don't need to be posting on Instagram or Facebook to do anything. You know, you can do that however you want, as with everything. These are private commercial constructs. So the world is still trying to work out how to deal with social media. And we really are in the formative phase. I, you know, we, and again, there's a lot of research that shows that we are basic. we're literally in the, not even the toddler stage, we're literally in the baby stage of social media right now. The human world really doesn't understand that well what it should be doing with social media. You know, and I think that is you know, a very, very big conversation and one where the private companies also need to be at the table for is like, well, what are we trying to do here? You know, we've connected a whole bunch of people together. What are we trying to do? Because, you know, whilst we have increased connectivity in relationships, we've also amplified a whole bunch of really bad stuff. You know, if it's not fake news, it's bullying and harassment and trolling and, you know, loneliness and isolation and so many other elements that are all part of the price we pay to have this social media world that we choose but do we really choose it or is this something that we feel obligated towards and that is actually a private construct a commercial construct and you know could it be reinvented and built back from the ground up all over again into something that is better quite possibly yes quite possibly yes but of course where we are where we are right so i i think you know when we think about reels we think about well you know does it need to be perfect does it need to be on this specific topic is this right or is this wrong i think you know it's really important to remember we as a, as a species are still literally in the baby stages of social media we do not know what we're doing with social media yet the world does not know what it's doing with social media yet. It really doesn't. So, you know, when you ask these questions on should it be this or should it be that, like I would, you know, take that as a a piece of context for yourself to really understand that actually, you know, the questions you're asking on a post level extend globally into everything that is done on social media. And as I've said before, you know, it's not about thinking inside the box or outside the box. It's about realizing that there is no box at all. And that's that's why I'm, you know, such a strong advocate of that, because the world doesn't know what it's doing on social media yet. It doesn't. And, you know, for you as a creator, you have this blank canvas to do whatever you want, right? And not feel obligated to do something or not do something or, you know, copy somebody or not copy somebody or whatever. You know, it doesn't matter what you do. What you see on, you know, in social media now is going to look completely different. In 10 years, we may be at, you know, toddler stage of understanding social media properly and the impact to the, the human race as a result, you know. And we may find, who knows, that we start making really big, different, significant decisions around that, around what social media even is and what it should look like and how we do it. But, you know, I just encourage you to kind of remember, like, when you look through your reels and you look through your TikTok and you think to yourself, I don't get this and this is all over the place and this is random content and I don't know what to do, you know, don't push yourself that on yourself and be like, 
Maybe I just don't get it. Literally, the world does not understand social media at all at this point. You know, we're still at this kind of, you know, emerging stage where it's just kind of a whole lot of chaos and noise until it's going to settle down into something which is more stable. But right, you know, YouTube is a really good example of that, right? YouTube, I think, is, you know, reached a really good level of maturity now. And it's pretty consistent in how it kind of delivers on that. It's a very mature platform. It's been around for a long time. Yeah, initially when YouTube came out, it was kind of like, you know, people hurting themselves, you know, and, and prank videos and stuff. You know, now it's kind of maturing into something else. It's long form content. It's more sort of thoughtful content, higher end production, all of that stuff, you know, lends to a more stable platform. TikTok, on the other hand, is very unstable. I mean, you you know, you go on it and anything, you could just get anything, you know. Lord knows what you're going to get on TikTok, right? It's still very unstable. I mean, it's kind of designed to be unstable in that, you know, you can create very, very short things. But at the same time, it's quite unstable. And that's true for all social media platforms, particularly when they come out, is, you know, the content's always very, very unstable. And, you know, I think for reels on Instagram, you know, there is that maturity there that kind of makes the content more, you know, similar as you kind of swipe through. But at the same time, it's almost going the other way. Instead of it being like really, really highly fluctuating and then ultimately going stable, it's like it's starting stable. And I think what it needs is some fluctuation to kind of really help, you know, change what reels are and what they represent at this point. Because, you know, for you as a creator, there is so much opportunity there for you to do exciting things. The question for you is, you know, what do you want to do and how do you want to do it? The only way you're going to find that out is by creating and finding your voice. So I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to experiment and try with that. So, you know, I know that was a long conversation, <laughs> but hopefully it's kind of given you some context. The last point that we need to talk about, of course, is, well, what's the future of Instagram? Now, Adam Masseri, head of Instagram, has talked about how, you know, Instagram is moving into a vid to being a video sharing platform. Of course, right? How could it not be? You know, anyone who talks about video as being, you know, the next best thing or the next big thing or whatever, right? I mean, you're already 15 years behind. If you're talking about video being a big thing, you know, you're talking, you're literally talking 15 years in the past, right? So, you know, artificial reality is a big thing. Video is not a big thing. Video is was big 15 years ago. Now it's just the norm, right? So, you know, Adam saying, hey, Instagram's going into a video sharing platform. Well, obviously, of course it is. It already is, you know. What he's really saying here is, Reels are a big growth format for us. We've copied TikTok. That's where the growth is. Instagram's growing slower. We want to copy, you know, the new format from TikTok. So we're going to push Reels more. So when he says videos becoming, Instagram's becoming a video sharing app, what he's saying is algorithmically Reels will get pushed more than some of the other stuff that you're used to, i.e., you know, posts and singles and whatnot. That being said, that being said, Instagram as an app is still you know, built to cater for these multiple channels. And the, 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 the biggest, most iconic part of Instagram is the feed, is the feed. If you took away the feed on Instagram, you know, all the squares, then 
all you would have is something that is literally the same as TikTok, okay? You would just be, you know, swipe up, swipe up, swipe up. That would be literally the only interaction. You would gut everything that you know about Instagram. That is not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And, you know, as the feed will continue to exist, you can therefore be confident that there will always be other content formats to be exploring. So, yeah, sure, you know, Instagram will be a video format and algorithmically it will push video. But, you know, you'll have a feed, so you can put video in your feed. You've got stories which are video. And you will be able to post images, you know, because the feed will continue to exist. Assuming the feed continues to exist, then all these other content formats will continue to exist. So you don't need to worry about, like, well... Yeah, but you know, why bother with carousels or singles or posts or whatever? Why bother with all these other things? Because, you know, Adam said we're going video. Well, yes, there will be some, you know, algorithmic, you know, support to go video. But with the feed still existing, the feed, you know, will drive ultimately, you know, the options that you have there. So you don't need to worry about like, oh, you know, I need to do that. That being said, you know, when someone... You know, when the head of Instagram says we're going video, you know, to that point we have to go, right, okay, you know, now's my time to start learning and adapting to get on this video thing because, you know, it's obviously a priority for Instagram. If your goal is to grow your Instagram and, you know, the head of Instagram is saying video is a big thing, then video needs to become your big thing, which means that, you know, we need to push ourselves outside of our comfort zone in order to be able to get there. But, you know, don't be freaking out that you know, everything on about Instagram will change to video only, you know, because it won't, because it won't. There'll be some switches around. Maybe you'll see, you know, maybe the home feed or the home button will actually be reels, you know, and then the explore button will be posts. I don't know. There'll be some rendering changes, but as long as the feed still stays there and you can go to a person's profile and see their grid and see all the stuff that they've done, as long as that still stays there, you will always, always, always have an opportunity to explore other formats. And those formats, assuming they stay highly engaged upon, you know, will continue to grow you. And, you know, again, that's why I really like carousels because, you know, when I talk about carousels, it's like, well, you know, sure, they're a growth format. They're big for Instagram right now, but they grow for reasons that aren't related to Instagram. They grow because they're high value adding. They grow because... You know, they're well designed. They grow because they're a blog, a micro blog across that piece. They grow because they're interesting. They're interesting formats. And uh, they'll stay interesting for a long time. So bottom line is, like I say, now's the time to focus, but also to kind of like just consider the history and the evolution of Facebook in the background as well, just to give you context. But now's the time to focus. Big week this week, Reels. So we're going to smash it this week. I'm going to get up there, get on them, and start doing I know you can do it, and you're going to have fun. I've got some more episodes for you that are going to be talking a little bit more about that as well. So stay tuned for that, and I'll see you soon. Bye.